ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Overlap, where we're going over the England side of things today, rather than the Spain side. Brian's already pestered me enough about Spain and, uh, and made me cry, and it's been terrible. But we're going to go over some of the stuff in England, and uh, I think Rian's a little stressed, but we'll get to that for various other reasons in a second. But Rian, it's been, what, like a week or so since we, since we last recorded and everything? Um, a lot's happened, both in our soccer lives and not soccer lives, but what's going on? I'm, uh, well, I don't know about you, not a lot's happened in my non-soccer life. Um, but the, oh, so you're like, a boring life. All right. Get, get to know. <laughs> no, no, I actually, I like to keep myself very consistent in life. You know, I don't, I don't like to stray too far off the, uh, the straight edge. It's, so, um, no, boring in other words, boring <laughs> to some, of course, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I've been all right. Nothing, nothing much has changed. Um, life wise but you're right i'm slightly nervous about um some things that are happening you know in england but other than that i cannot complain love that honestly yeah I'm, i mean i'm we're both stressing for pretty much the same well kind of similar reasons um but i think at the end of the day you have a little bit more to worry about we'll, we'll get to that in a second but i do want to introduce um a special guest we've had on the podcast before um, who's had the unfortunate pleasure of discussing this I mean, time and time again, and of course, having to discuss this now. But for those of you, of course, that watched the North London Derby this past weekend, Tottenham and Arsenal, um, it's always an entertaining fixture. But um, I'm glad to to introduce now our friend Jay, here to talk about the Arsenal perspective from this weekend's North London Derby. I've, I've forgotten which match days are which at this point, so I'm just going to call it the North London Derby. Jay... How you doing, buddy? You doing okay? You cried it out. Is, Hello. <laughs> doing all right. Hello. Unfortunately, have not had the time in the day to cry, but uh, nor the tears. <laughs> nor the tears. Uh, no, but doing 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 great. <laughs> good, good. I'm, yeah. I'm honestly happy for you because I know. I don't know. My my thoughts on the game were, I guess. I, a little mixed, right? I think Arsenal had some really good spells, and the Lacazette goal was unreal. Um, but let's let's start I mean, with amazing. Yeah, yeah. Let's I guess start with Arsenal then and talk about kind of what went right instead of what went wrong because we could talk about the latter for hours. But wh- what do you think they did well in this game? Right? What did they well? I mean, they I mean, they essentially controlled the game. Uh, we Arsenal lost. Arsenal lost this game. Tottenham didn't win this game. I mean, you look at the possession, like over sixty percent possession. Uh, I mean, shots. 12, I mean, like twelve shots, like less fouls. You, if you watch the game, you can see that we. I mean, <laughs> we essentially dominated the game until we made one, one, and two incredibly like terrible errors that led to goals. Like, that was a game where, I mean, as Arteta said about the Leicester game, but I think he applied to this game as well, is that this is easily a game against an opposition where we should have hammered home two, three, four goals and just called it a day. And the fact that it didn't happen is completely embarrassing. Uh, but what we did well is that, um, look, I think, we, I think we controlled the game for the most part. Um, 
we had uh, we, we created enough chances, and we what we did terribly is that we just didn't capitalize and, and didn't uh, didn't execute that that last mile, uh, as uh, I'd like to say. So, <laughs> no, that's that's all very good points. Um, I, I guess in some ways, yeah, Arsenal did really control, especially in the first half before things started to run away a little bit. The I guess the momentum of the game. I don't know, Rian, what were your thoughts on just generally on the North London derby? I mean, it was almost like we went to a time machine and just went back like 15 years to like the most, such a prototypical Jose Mourinho game where you feel like you're in control, where you feel like like you're in control, you feel like you're in control, you got all the possession, Tottenham, a lot of their attacks were covered off of just pretty much long, I was like playing it up to Harry Kane and like, and you know, uh, that just had Son and Kane up top and kind of had those two playing off each other. And that's where they were planning on getting their attack from. And it was just, I mean, it's 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 how we've seen Tottenham play for a, pretty much the entire time that Mourinho has been there. So I think we talked about this before, Elias, like there's no change in how this Tottenham team is playing compared to any other Mourinho team. Um, this just might be one of the least talented Mourinho teams we've ever seen, uh, even including I, I, those. I agree. <laughs> including <laughs> including classic. that like last year at Man United, which was like actually depressing. But like, yeah, I, I think it was just a very classic Mourinho game. And, and I don't think that like Jay, you or any Arsenal fan should be too discouraged by like the result itself. Obviously it sucks to lose. No, to Tottenham. Course, I'm not, I mean, I'm not per- discouraged. You, and, look at, you look at Arsenal Twitter. <laughs> there's, there's some people who are discouraged. I'm not discouraged. That's good. Cause I, I think that like brings us to like a, a broader point of like, for the most part, I, I think this is Arteta has come in and, done what they kind of wanted for the rest of this season which was like was to like stabilize the team while also like kind of trying to figure out who is good enough to stay and like or whatnot and like we can come when we get to the Mourinho side but like but we can compare the the records between the two managers since they've since they've started but I think for the most part good stuff for for Arteta so far Jay would you agree oh 100% no i Absolutely back Arteta, uh, like, blindly. <laughs> um, you heard it here I, first. I'm, I, Arteta I'm, in. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how the summer transfer window goes, especially because uh, it'll be his first window, and we can see the type of players that he brings in, uh, who he brings in, who, who he uh, takes out. And I think I'll be really telling going into the new season. Um, and it'll give us a better – it'll give us a better gauge of who Arteta is as a coach. Once he like has um, some say in who the players are. Um, so I think anyone that judges him too harshly during what's been um, honestly, one of the most abysmal seasons of my Arsenal fanhood um, is wrong just because he came in in the middle of it when, I mean, we were already mentally broken uh, just from Emery's reign. So, and you still had Dab Louise and Mustafa. <laughs> okay, okay. David Louise, David Louise. I mean, absolute clown. I've been saying it from the very beginning since Emery was here. And then people were like, oh, he's changed on Arteta because he played a couple good games. And even I was ready. Are these, to be are like, these people, oh my, okay. are these people like other Arsenal fans, by the way? <laughs> yeah, know, other Arsenal fans. Okay, like, you got know, it. Re- you know, the subreddit, Twitter, like some people were saying, like, 
oh, like our tail knows how to best utilize them, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, we can hit like long balls to Obama and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I was ready. I was, I was getting, I, I almost forgot that he was a clown. I, I was, I was starting to, to be swayed by that. <laughs> and of course, I, yeah, I, I betrayed the one eternal rule of once a clown, always a clown. Okay. And yeah, and again, he's proved it time and time again since the restart of the new season that the man's an absolute clown that, yeah, maybe uh, as a leader in the locker room, he's amazing. And maybe like he was a good, like cheap, cheap experience option to plug the holes that we had in our back line. But like, like the man, the man has to go or he stays and it just as a locker room presence and maybe plays an FA cup game once in a while. Like the dude is just a clown. I I just, I, I can't, I cannot see him in an Arsenal shirt on the field again. You you are (laughs) just brilliant content for, for the pod. So thank you for basically putting way more. Now let me address (laughs) that second part of Rian's, of Rian's uh, statement. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, no, no. You're not going to defend him. Please. Okay. We don't have enough time to defend look, for you to try to no, okay, wake look, up a defense I'll, for I'll Mustafi. I'm going to say this. I'll, this is all I'm going to say. This is all I'm going to say. While Louise is, you know, once a clown, always a clown. I mean, the man wakes up and puts puts face paint on. Okay. <laughs> now, at the same time, I'm a large believer in the redemption arc. You know. Oh no. I live and die. I live and die by the redemption arc. But Mustafi in the Tottenham game, even in the Tottenham game, even in the Tottenham game, where he played like absolute garbage, he only played like absolute garbage for part of the second half. And first half, um, first half, he was actually pretty solid. I'm not gonna lie. Part then, right. then he did he did he did the he did the classic Mustafi thing where he just fucking broke mentally because the man. I mean, he's not a very good no, defender, right? No, no. <laughs> the man has the man does not have like an independent, like independent morale. He, he his morale is dictated by what the team's feeling. If the team is broken, he immediately breaks, which is like a ter- like a terrible habit to have, especially as a central defender. Uh, but like, I still, I still have, I still have still the inkling of of hope and belief that. Arteta can coach this like terrible mentality out of him and he can still be a good defender. I just want to believe. I want to believe. I've, I've seen the Jaka. I've seen the Jaka redemption arc. And, and you know what? I'm here. I'm here for the Mustafi redemption arc. I want to wake up one day and, and watch an Arsenal game with full confidence, knowing that Mustafi will not mentally break. There will not be one second where he breaks mentally. And I think that day is possible. That's yeah, all I'll so, say about uh, that. Okay. Uh, well, when that, day, when that day comes, Jay, just realize that you are most likely uh, one or two things dead or <laughs> um, in a coma. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I still, I have faith. All right. I, I, it's very small. And it dies a little bit every day, but it's still alive. Still deep, all right. Very deep I, I mean, me. Jay, I wish you the best of luck with whatever, you know, mental health issues that this the whole situation will bring you because it, you're going to need all the luck you, you get. So, you know, I'll be praying for you. But my, I guess my, honestly, my last question just on Arsenal specifically, I know you have a lot of faith in Arteta and actually so do I. Um, but what, what does success look like for you 
this summer? Like, like, what are you looking to get out of Arsenal and out of him this summer? Great question. <laughs> and keep Let's it see. short. <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep it short. I mean, I without, doubt without somehow, yeah, without somehow, like, just keep it short without trying to like, uh, somehow defend, um, doozy <laughs> somewhere in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Gendouzi! Uh, I can speak to Gendouzi. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'll just I, I'll I'll just do it by like I'll do it by like positionally in the team. Like goalkeeper, I think we're fine. I don't think Arteta needs to touch that. Um, I think Martinez has shown why he the club has stuck with him, even though they've loaned him like a, a billion times, um, and then gave him uh, gave him a chance to prove himself. Now and he's absolutely proved himself. If anyone saw that amazing save in the Tottenham game. Um, defending, I mean, we have Saliba joining, um, I mean, obviously in the French league, he, he was amazing, uh, but he's still like relatively young and he's coming into a non-farmers league <laughs> and a lot of people have, people seem to have a lot of confidence in him. And so do I, I just think that the confidence has to be, has to be checked by the fact that he's still like early twenties, like first and he'll, season. He'll need a, like an ex, a good experience center back next exactly, to him. Right? Exactly. So like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's where, no, <laughs> we won't get into that. Uh, no, but we, I mean, like, honestly, like we need to sign another center back. Like that should a hundred percent be, uh, be one of like, be on the top of Arteta's list of, of new signings this summer. I mean, we're going to be limited by, uh, the current financial situation, especially if we don't make the Europa League, which at this point our only path is through the FA Cup. So we'll be watching that game on Saturday very closely. Um, but no, we need um, we need new center backs. We need another left back <laughs> because the last match is like honestly useless um <laughs> in, in, in a back three in a back three he's useless you can't play him in the back three he's not he's not the player to play in a back three um we need like a real we need like a real like we need a real left back to play in the back three to where class has plays now if we want to do a back three like i guess maybe we can have a third center back uh, most important, honestly, like sign three center most backs. Important, most important, most important is either a new center back or a left winger, like a, a true left winger. A true left winger, like I love, I I, I like love Lacazette, but at this point, like we may have to, like we're gonna have, we need money, so we have, we have the fund transfers. Like you sell Lacazette, you push Aubameyang up to tender forward, and you get like a true left winger. I like that you assume Aubameyang is gonna be around. Oh yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I'm all. I'm all in on the. Uh, I'm all in on him signing a new contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Oh, well, okay. right. as long as you're all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I'll tweet at him. He'll like, he'll know. Um, <laughs> as long as you're all in. Oh and then we need someone. I mean, Tobias is leaving, so we just need someone to partner with. Jacques has been phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think. think, I, think the, I think. Oh, go on, Ellis. I was just going to say the th- the thing about everything I've just heard, and we'll wrap up with this, I guess. But everything I've heard is we just need this. But you said we just need X like five times, which means it's not just this. It means it's an entire overhaul of what you're what you're basically saying. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, ideally, yeah, we would have, like, an overall. Yeah. I agree, yeah. I mean, this, yeah, this is going to take time. We, this is going to take time. We, we all have to do this. It's going to take look at, look at collapse. Yeah, look at collapse rule at Liverpool. Took years. Took over multiple years to build a team. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. That's very fair. Like, right, before, I, think, before I, think, we, I think what we need, we need a defensive midfielder, a center back. <laughs> yeah, like, we get it. You need like eight positions. You need like players eight positions. I get it. Those are the top three. Those are the top three. Center back, defensive midfielder, left wing. If I could, I don't know, uh, jerk off the soccer gods tomorrow and they'd rain down players like that. Of course. That, that, those of, course three of course. All right. Yeah. All right. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> before, before we, not before to make, we let... not to make this podcast too non family friendly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> before, we, before we let you go, Jay, we, we, we should talk a little bit about, uh, I think Elias, you can hop in here too. Like the, what we've seen from Tottenham, I guess, or what we're expecting from, I think Tottenham going forward into next season and I mean I guess this is just what half what their fans and their the players themselves have to just be resigned to like this is how you're going to be playing like it's so uh, Jay we obviously know your opinions on 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 this question I'm about to ask but I'll I'll, so I'll throw it to Elias um Elias just going into next I'll season <laughs> going into no, next you will season, <laughs> which club out of the two right now, when you think about manager, um, board, current squad, whatever, out of those two of Arsenal and Tottenham, who do you have more faith in making a real challenge for top four next season? I can a answer that cha- in one word, Arsenal. All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you offered your very unbiased opinion on that one. So thank you for that caller. Um, but what I would say is probably Spurs, um, not based on this game specifically, but just based on two things. A, how Mourinho usually does in his second season, which is just for some reason, I can't, I, I literally can't explain it. It must be just a familiarity thing, whatever. I'm, I'm going to go based on that. And two, the fact that Tottenham's squad is actually just talented it, like in comparison to arsenal's right i'm not saying compared to the rest of the top four <laughs> yeah, but okay. compared to to arsenal i think spurs' squad is just deeper it's much more talented um and i think Mourinho just and he'll have some time in the summer to to get this right i have i have no reason to believe that arsenal is going to overhaul and become a much better team next season because they're already behind spurs in the table so that i don't think is going to change Well, I uh, probably, Wait, yeah, from, why, why do you why do you think Mourinho is going to overhaul the, the, the Tottenham team and Arsenal? Yeah, that 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 is my only that's my only thing too. I think this what is a very hard, point? I, I think this is just very, I think this is a very hard question hard um, question just because neither of these teams seem currently set up to be able to make the necessary changes in the summer. So it is just down to I think who do you have more faith in? I, I'm not buying the second season thing with Mourinho. I, I really just don't think he's going to have resources to be able to make this team the type of team that he needs. He's still going to have Serge Aurier on, in his team, most likely, and, like, Red Davies. And, like, I mean, I, I just – I don't see that team getting much better. And this is a conversation that maybe we – that we definitely, I think, will have at the end of the season. I, w- I would be very concerned – or somewhat concerned for Harry Kane – either leaving or just what we've seen from him kind of dropping off the last two seasons. But I, Oh, you mean the man who doesn't show up? 
don't don't even don't even entertain that, Rion. Just don't ever just move on. I think I think that's a great place for us to uh, stop <laughs> off here. <laughs> Jay, thank you again for coming. As always, I'm sure we will have you again at the after the season's over when as always. A, a little deeper dive, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I will, I'll try to uh, calm my biases down. It's the worst. Keep it the same. Don't yeah, yeah, no, 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 no change. reason changing now. No you reason know, changing. The love, the love is too strong. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Love is love, and it's too strong. I can't. It's you know, it takes over your entire being. It's like, what are you gonna do? Fair enough. Say la vie. Poetic. Poetic. <laughs> All right, Jay. Thanks for coming on. But yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me. Excited for the uh, my next appearance. All right. We are back after a just fascinating discussion with Jay, as always, when it comes to Arsenal. <laughs> And even more so when it comes to Tottenham involved in that conversation. So thank you, Jay, as always, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice and hear you rant about Mustafi of all players on your team. So with that, we're going to continue our Premier League conversation, talk a little bit more about what I was referring earlier to with Rion being very stressed the last couple of days. Um, I talk about the top four update in England because it's turning out outside of really the top two to turn out to be a wild end to the finish uh, wild <laughs> end to the season is that is that how you a, wi- a wild a wild race to the bottom honestly <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it yeah i just i can't speak anymore apparently so rion how do you feel i guess ahead of the last couple i would say there's only a handful of games left now realistically and a good majority of i guess the top six to seven sides play each other between now and then so wh- where's your head at I mean, I, we'll get to where my head is at a little, <laughs> a little later. I'm going to save that because that's always a uh, a very a very interesting place to go into. But, <laughs> but but just like an update on like what's happened since the last time we talked here. Like Leicester have continued to um, look very average up to the point where they looked actually terrible this past weekend um, against Bournemouth. Yeah, since we last that was talked, shocking. Since we last spoke, they they won three 0 at Crystal Palace. Then they drew with Arsenal in a game that Arsenal was leading one 0 until um, I believe it was Eddie Nketiah who who got sent off after about like sixty seconds of that of coming on as a sub, and then Leicester were able to, to tie it up late, and so they so they saved a point there. And then this past weekend, they go up one 0 against Bournemouth look like they probably should have been up two or three after the first half. And then the second half just game completely turned on his head. Like an unreal second half where they, where Lester ends up conceding four goals. Um, uh, Sionchu, who's there, who's been their best center back all season after the, I believe it was the second Bournemouth goal was scored. Um, one of the Bournemouth strikers was running into the net to grab the ball uh, and, and, I mean, I guess just to grab it to try to score more. I honestly don't really know why he was trying to grab the ball so so much. But in any case, um, so Yunchu kind of guards it from him. I mean, Rian, I, I just have one request. Yes, I just can you can you refer to him specifically as Lord uh, Farquad, please? Oh Thank yes, you. yes, Lord Farquad. Uh, Thank you. 
the uh, t- I guess Turkish David Luiz in a sense just from oh <laughs> from what he did. <laughs> that's that's obviously harsh, but from what he did this <laughs> last weekend, so he anyway. So so the the, the Bournemouth player tries to grab the ball, and Soyuncu, um, as anyone would, responds by uh, kicking him right in the back of the calf, and ends up getting red carded while Bournemouth were celebrating a goal. <laughs> so, and so. Down to 10 men, and Bournemouth scores two more at the end of that game, and it's a 4-1 loss, and Leicester um, are sitting in a pretty precarious position, which, I, which I'll get to, <laughs> but let's go on to Chelsea, who who then who uh, then beat Crystal Palace 3-2 in a game that easily could have ended 3-3, uh, then lost to Sheffield United, who have really picked themselves up, especially from the first couple of games since the restart, but got, but, but anyway, Chelsea got their doors blown off by Sheffield, uh, 3-0, uh, over able to win. They, they won the most one-sided, I guess, one nil one-sided yet extremely boring one nil I've ever seen, um, where, where Norwich was already <laughs> relegated and Norwich just basically didn't try to play. Didn't just didn't really care, I guess. And, and Chelsea won one nil, um, Man United, on who, who like, uh, we I don't know what to say anymore. At least like they look, they look like a normal team that actually knows how to attack now. And and um and they've been great really for since the restart. Um, they still have not lost. There, I think they're on nineteen straight Premier League games without a or nineteen straight games overall without a loss. Um, so they beat Bournemouth five last week. A three 0 against Villa, and then this past Monday they finally dropped points um, against Southampton in a game where I think just United looked pretty tired, and uh, Southampton was able to get a point at the end, which is again kudos to Southampton and and Ralph Hausenhuttle. Like, again, <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying it because like you, you lose nine nil, <laughs> like, you, you don't right, think the team is right. gonna stay up. So I was like, it's, it's a lot of credit <laughs> for that. For them, but or able to mentally recover. Exactly, exactly, and really, it leaves us with the last two weeks here. Um, let's look at like what who's the games that are left for each of these three teams: uh, Leicester, Chelsea, and United. Leicester still has Sheffield United, Tottenham, and they play Man United on the last day. Now, Leicester. Elias, at New Year's, Leicester record sat at 14 wins, three draws, four losses. 45 points, sitting in second, nine points above Chelsea in fourth, 14 points above Manchester United in fifth place. Now, obviously, that has <laughs> shrunk a bit. <laughs> that is clear. Elias, if you had to guess... How many points do you, or sorry, what place do you think, if we were doing a table from January 1st up until now, Leicester City, if you had to guess what position they are in terms of that table? Oh, that's a good question. Since January 1st, I would say maybe 13th, 14th? Wow, great guess. Fourteenth, <laughs> fourteenth place. <laughs> Let's go. Their, their record says four wins, five draws, six losses. They've picked up seventeen points since then. Oh my god. 
Uh, they're I actually now, didn't know that. That's yeah, it's very yeah. Mid-table. They're now sitting four points behind Chelsea in third place. Who are sitting? Who are in, are now in third place? Um, and they are tied with Manchester United, who, who and they are only above United because of goal difference. And again, they play Manchester United on the last day, so that's where Leicester's at. Chelsea still has to play, has to go to Anfield on the last, on Liverpool's last game at Anfield. So I expect Liverpool to be playing their full starting 11. And Chelsea still has to play Wolves at the end, the, in the last day of the season. While United has Crystal Palace and West Ham before they play Leicester. And it's going to be very, very tight. I think, at least I think we can both expect it's going to go down to the last day, correct? Um, not only that, but. I fully expect there to be one absolute shock um, on the last day. Like I'm, I'm very wary of how close this is going to come down to. I mean, it's very possible that by the last day that there's maybe a three or four point gap between fifth and sixth and uh, or fourth through six. I should say, what am I saying? Fifth through seventh or fourth through sixth? Fourth. Uh, this is, this is third through fifth. Third Chelsea, through fifth, talking, okay. Yeah, for Chelsea United yes, and Leicester. Exactly, yeah, yeah. There, there could be over a slightly a four-point gap. Um, but one of those teams is just mathematically not going to make the top four. And I honestly, because Leicester is basically neck and neck with Manchester United, it's hard to pinpoint a team, I guess, that you can see winning out on top of that. Because... If there's a scenario where Chelsea lose at Anfield and all of them are within three points, then you know it's po- quite possible that Chelsea don't make the Champions League, right? So it's not yeah, like you course, can completely rule Leicester yeah. out. And you can say that Manchester United have been playing really well, but as we know, Manchester United's schedule towards the end of the season is not, you know, incredibly easy. So it, it's a little this is like the most toin cost-ish three like just top three to five race i've seen in a while no that's true it's 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 going to be interesting because as i as i mentioned so Yunchu, it was a straight red card that he received and that's their best that's leicester city's best defender who has stupidly this is why i said he went david louise but like he's <laughs> He's suspended now for the last three games of the season in the most crucial time for his team. It's just, it's, I mean, it's really disappointing if you're a Leicester fan for, for someone who's been so good for you all season to have such a bone, to do such a really mindless thing, like like kick out at an opponent like that, um, especially after a goal was scored. It wasn't like the game was tied. It wasn't like like there was... A real reason, right? So, right. So, so he's put his team in a really bad position. Who, who are again about to play Sheffield? Who is who? Like we said in the previous segment, has turned their season around, or, or not their season, but um, but have gotten it together from the first couple disappointing games with um, um, the restart, and then they play Tottenham. Who it's it's going to be a hard game no matter what because because we know how Marina's going to play. And then um, <laughs> United at the end of the, in the last day, it, it, I trying to be unbiased, really trying to be unbiased here. I, I, I think it's also a possibility that, you know, think about the fact that also Leicester is missing James Madison and Ben Chilwell during the last last few games. And, and um, they're still questionables to return for at least the Sheffield United game. It, it also wouldn't totally surprise me if Leicester were to 
draw or lose um, or to not pick up a win really in either of their next two games. Um, and they would actually, so, it would be amazing. It would, and I just have to add it. It would be kind of hilarious that another Brendan Rodgers team completely folds <laughs> the second oh, season after I holding such a about, lead. I didn't even think about that narrative. That's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, that is terrible. But, but with that being said, you know, like I said, United plays Crystal Palace and West Ham. West Ham will still be fighting for relegation um, and a relegation battle, really. But so that could be a tough game for them. All that being said, Ellis, who do you predict out of the three to uh, miss out? I, I think I think you kind of heard what my part. Yeah, is. I think it'll be. I Lester. mean, that's the. Oof, that's the million dollar question. Um, I think I'm going to keep it simple. I think it's going to go as follows. I think Chelsea are going to finish uh, in fourth. And I think, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Manchester United are going to finish third. That's my prediction. I mean, I think, I think you're, I think United finishing third is, is the most likely thing right now. Um, especially if, if they're able How? to get the three points. If they're able to get the three points against Crystal Palace, then I'm going to say they're most likely because how can I think that Chelsea is going to go and beat Liverpool at Anfield? So like, <laughs> like, how can I, how can I have the faith that that could happen? Like, it's such a toss. I mean, if you're Jay, you have blind faith. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I have even better reason to think that Chelsea could at least, that Chelsea could at least pick up a point or something just because I think we've, yeah, seen, that's not we've seen them, we've seen them just be so inconsistent in these big games. You beat, you beat Manchester city um, in a game that you had to win and then you go and lose to a West Ham team that was in the relegation battle. Like it's 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 all it's just inconsistency with inconsistency with the Chelsea team. So anything could happen, I guess, with that Liverpool game. But there's a reason for me to be counting on points in that game. Um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna go down to the last day. My one, my one biggest fear, which. Um, Peter, uh, uh, my roommate, who is also a Chelsea fan, and our friend who we've had on this podcast before, he mentioned the fact that if United and Leicester were to go into the final day, and a draw could end up getting bo- being keeping both of them in the Champions League spots, I would jump off the Williamsburg Bridge. So <laughs> let's <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> for your let's, own sanity let's hope no no that, that was that was too far obviously i would jump off the bridge i just break a lot of things in my room that i just recently put together so but <laughs> <laughs> that's a more likely thing that's just all it's almost as painful yeah but uh, you know like i said we, we know i think it's going to go down to the last day but again at the same time wouldn't be surprised if Leicester's kind of free fall, like and and really just what we should call just a devoid of confidence right now. Um, no, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if they were to drop points in both of their next two games and kind of go make that last game against United really like I'm either a must win for them or you know it might be out of reach for them. All this being said, Chelsea could quite easily still finish fifth. I'm not going to sit here and act like <laughs> we're fine. So, no, that's very true. I think. The TLDR of all of this is that every situation is on the table. Every 
I, yeah, anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. I just, I, it's hard to wrap my head around it because of how inconsistent Leicester have been and how all of a sudden consistent United have been. Um, and of course, Chelsea are still a strong team. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I kind of hope that they're in the Champions League next season because I want to see Christian Pulisic play in the Champions League again. Um, but it, it, yeah, there's not enough time in the world. Not enough time in the world for me to get to get into that the, that name right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cut you off there in the same way that we cut off Jay. But I think that's where we're at, and um, we'll obviously keep you guys posted on exactly how the top four update is uh, is going. So, with that, Rian, you want to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about the big uh, big decision that came out this week. Kill me. (laughs) All right. We're back with the decision that, um, Rian, I don't really know what to make of this other than a lack of surprise. Um, but the decision of course that we're talking about is Manchester city being absolved of not the, uh, let's be clear. They're not being absolved of the actual crime of, I guess, breaking financial fair play. They're Cooking just the books. Let's yeah, just say, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not what's happened here. It's just that the punishment, the ban, has been overturned, and it has been turned into a ten million euro fine. So, before I get into it, Rian, I- I'm going to hand it over to you. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, well. I think we have to start about like why, like like you said, why Manchester City was able to win their um, appeal against UEFA. Um, the Court of Arbitration support pretty much absolved them of, well, not not totally absolved them, right? Because they they still gave them a fine, which just makes no sense. Uh, but whatever, um, Manchester City was able to kind of to win this um, arbitrational. Um, I guess uh, prosecution. I don't know. I don't illegally is whatever. But interesting. Uh, yes, yes, I think that is the clinical term. Yes. <laughs> so, so they were able to win it because, like you said, it wasn't necessarily that they didn't do what they were being accused of. Um, the The ruling was that the evidence, I believe, was either I it was were time barred or uh, I think not substantiated was, was the kind of wording that, that the C- that CAS used. And with that, it's, I think we have to lay uh, we we can talk to, we fucking pass out about like corruption in UEFA, corruption in, in soccer. Like, like this, it's funny, like this happened. And uh, one of our friends had uh, like Twitter DM us like, was having us like, oh, they like ruined sport, they ruined football with this or whatever, and it was, and it was almost like that uh, scene. And if anyone has seen this movie, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix, the Coen Brothers movie, where J- the scene where James Franco has um, somehow escaped being hung the first time, but just by just pretty much luck, and then ends up still uh, have, getting convicted of a crime and, and having to hang, and just before he's about to be hung, turns to a guy who's like crying um, with the noose around his neck, and turns to him, smiles, and says, first time, 
and that's basically like, what this decision was like. Like, oh, city, this is ruined football. Financial fair play is dead. It's like, um, it was already dead. <laughs> We've been like, down the road. Yeah, like, come on, yeah. like, come on. They're like, this is not going to be right. the thing that we're like, oh, football is now broken. Like, now, um, <laughs> the real blame here, I think, has to go on UEFA for. I think the first thing putting in your own regulations, like financial regulations, that it would even be possible for (laughs) there to be like a statute of limitation. (laughs) Like when these accusations came after the establishment of these financial fair play regulations. But the only reason that UEFA even did anything was because of the Der Spiegel leaks of 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 some Manchester City documents that showed they might have, they might have like, and, and all that shows me is that, UEFA wasn't actually checking this stuff every year at the end of the season. They weren't actually checking it themselves. So they waited, like they didn't do anything until like some third party was able to like hack and then leak stuff. It's it really <laughs> actually just like, it, it, I mean, I don't think we had a lot of faith in UEFA as a governing body anyway, but like, I, I love that you're just coming to that. Conclusion, but. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, but like this is just like just it's embarrassing for them and and it also really i think makes you just not very hopeful that they'll be able to even get to a point where where um they're able to where UEFA is able to actually regulate um like financial fair play to any sort of um effectiveness really from here on going out i think yeah i mean everything you said is true right um what i would say is <sighs> the same thing with psg just rings so so loudly right now because i i don't exactly know like you said what their validity is anymore Right. It it almost seems as though because it's not clear to us at all what the standards are for these rulings, at least from a simplified legal perspective, that we can almost give an opinion like on on each case. Right. Like I'm stuck here in this situation saying to UEFA, this is ridiculous because there's no actual standard to be held like for any team anymore. That's where they've lost their validity in that they don't actually have a standard. And so they've, yeah, they've lost all credibility, but you're saying that as if they had credibility in the first place when it came to this, which I don't think they had. So this whole situation to me is just twisted and honestly, in some ways comical because you have a situation where two teams essentially of similar financial backing, you know, essentially did the same thing and one got off and one kind of got off. Not really. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I, re- I, I really just don't think that <laughs> the, the structure itself was never in a place to succeed. That's my point. Well, that's what we learned. That's what we learned from this ruling too. I think, right. Is that it's the fact that there was even a possibility possibility that teams could potentially just hide it for i think the grace period the uh like actual um time frame that you have to go after is like within five years right of 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 stuff of like um any sort of breach of regulations happens and 
you know, what we saw, what we just kind of saw is that there's a possibility that hell, if we, if a team's able to hide it for five years successfully, then they're kind of in the clear. So (laughs) that's, that's just pretty much what we learned. So it's, um, like I said, it's depressing. Like it's, I don't know about depressing, but just you really see UEFA's like ineptitude. Like this is now like everyone mainstream, more mainstream people are seeing the ineptitude and I guess catching on or maybe catching on that football's governing bodies aren't uh, quite so smart or um, effective in their own sense. <laughs> Shocking, absolutely shocking. This this also brings to mind the Barcelona Juventus transfer for Arthur and Pjanic, which to me is still a dream. Like to me, it hasn't actually happened yet. Um, just the the cooking of the books is just so funny to me. But it, yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know where we go from here because every decision, basically as it relates to Cass and UEFA, will just, in my opinion, not be a strong, valid one. Um, this is their chance to really show that. And, um, well, they didn't. <laughs> That's the, again, they just didn't. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just hilarious seeing some of the, um, some of the responses around, around Europe from coaches to uh, <laughs> the president of La Liga. We do not have to get into the hypocrisy. Oh my God. Hilarious. But, um, but you know, in that, yeah, this is going to have, obviously, this is going to have huge ramifications on at what we're seeing in England for the for the top four and, you know, for the ripple effect of this, like the players that could have ended up leaving this year from Manchester City or who knows what could have happened. This is, this is a huge decision and, and it's one that like, UEFA is going to just, it's just getting shit on as they should about it. And it'll be really interesting to see how they take this kind of like public, public um, kind of like, uh, oh, not disgrace, but like public embarrassment. Yeah. I honestly, in some ways, I just think this is going to pass. And weirdly enough, I just think that's what's going to happen. And in a couple of years, people will look back and be like, oh, that happened. Of course it did. And then move on. Like with Qatar in the World Cup in two years, you see anyone talking about it right now? Well, largely because we're in the middle of the pandemic, but my point still no, stands. But, but you're right. But you're right. No one said no one would talking about it until and no one will be talking about it until we get closer to the World Cup. And then we'll be again like, ah, right. Remember they were like uh, killing people to make these stadiums? But yeah, <laughs> but that's 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 uh, again another not not a conversation for today, but. Yeah, well, we'll see where this go where this goes from here. I think it'll be really interesting to see now Manchester City in the Champions League and what and the motivation now to kind of stick it into UEFA's face. That'll be, I think that'll at least be entertaining. Um, a nice little wrinkle to Manchester City's Manchester City's um, tie against Real Madrid, which will be a big one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is probably going to be the Champions League tie. I'm going to be watching closely or the most, other than Barcelona's, of course. Um. Yeah. Good luck with Bayern. Seriously. Good luck. <laughs> I. I. You know. That's not even a game that's going on in my in my mind. 
<laughs> Honestly, if you can pull out a miracle, um, and we oh, can talk uh, about that friendly, that friendly in, uh, <laughs> friendly in the international the beginning champions of August, cup, of beginning of <laughs> the beginning of that friendly that Chelsea has at the beginning of August, that uh, we'll, they'll play in and not, and then uh, they'll they'll only friendly for uh, <laughs> the month of August. Yeah. <laughs> only friendly yeah, yeah, for yeah. a month. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Kind of, it's good that we're going to get that practice against a team as good as Bayern. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you'll need it. Don't worry, especially for when you don't make the champions. All right, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay far away from that yeah, before I anger you. Steady, steady, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that's all that we had for, for today's pod. Um, from myself, uh, from Rian, thank you guys as always for for listening, and we'll keep you updated as uh, as things come along in the soccer world. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.